The Beer That Made Milwaukee Famous presents The Halls of Ivy, starring M.L. Elric. Good evening, this is M.L. Elric. Inviting you to join us again on the campus of Ivy College as the guests of our sponsors, the brewers of Schlitz Beer. The taste of Schlitz. The taste so many people prefer has made Schlitz beer first in sales in the USA. If you like good beer, do as millions of people are doing all over the nation. Ask for Schlitz, the most popular beer in history. Get your finger out of my face. Get your finger out of my face. Take the first shot, then. If you want to catch your finger out of my face, it's gone. What are you doing? What are you doing? Come on. That is not paid for by them. That is paid for by the people of Detroit. Let me tell you something. You want to go right now? Okay. You want to go right now, Elric? I can see we're off to a bad start here. We uh, we brought in a guy to talk about beer, and he brought in beer, and now all of a sudden doing a podcast doesn't seem all that important it's your old pal ml elric soldiering through uh straight out of fox 2's uh news halls where we we work for you we work with you um and uh we're just basically working sounds like that beer's working yeah it's uh what is this this is one of these 90 percent ones it's not really beer it just evaporates when it hits your tongue uh that, that's mark fellhauer who's sober enough to drive and our special guest is Bob Allen, the Spirits of Detroit columnist for the Detroit Free Press. He is here on his last go-around before he heads back to Colorado. I'm kind of lowbrow. He's kind of meisterbrow, and he's going to talk to us about what he's found in, since coming to Detroit in our fledgling uh, brewing industry. And, of course, Sean Windsor is here with us. What's on your mind while I, while I try and get to the bottom of this glass? Are you sure that's beer you're drinking? You know what? I just hope it never leaves. Just... <laughs> The bottomless cup. That's uh, it, it looks more like putty. Well, I used to drive a uh, a Ford Escort that had a hundred and something thousand miles on it, and when you change the oil, it kind of looked like this. Only the oil was thinner. Where'd you find the car on the side of the street? <laughs> I there's actually, no way you paid for that. I actually traded a old Chevy Celebrity wagon for it. Did you tell people that car got shot too? <laughs> Now I'm going to drink this beer. Stephen Sean, King, you, you had King. something for us. It's, do not tarry, sir. What, what are you working on, man? Well, we're going to talk about beer, obviously. That's the purpose of this show. It's the purpose of your existence. Yeah. We got the suds. You bring the duds. And soul of Detroit. Okay, beer's in Detroit. But since we do talk a little bit about the Detroit, and Mark has soul, and I have a little soul, you have no soul. But since that's I the title. I got soul coming out of my hole, friend. Yeah. Oh, I'm not going to touch that one. Yeah, no, Your don't. nostrils. Not without, not that? without gloves. <laughs> no, the uh, for the first time in the city's history, it has a PGA Tour stop. The Rocket Mortgage Classic, I believe it's called. I was on the grounds today at the Detroit Golf Club on Seven Mile and Pontchartrain, just a little bit Beautiful. west of Woodward. And uh, I think a lot of folks are down there, or excuse me, a lot of folks down there are excited, maybe not about golf, even if they don't like golf, but just the event, the spectacle of it. It's been a while since we've had anything like this in the city. And obviously, the, the city itself has never had anything like this. So my question to you guys is, does this mean anything other than just this week? Is it just a, uh, four days of a tournament, you know, a week lead up and prep, and then it goes and the tour goes on its way? Yeah. 
Does it mean more to the city than just that? It might be the beer, but you've got beautiful eyes. <laughs> I thought you were talking about my pipes. No, it's cool. I, last time I was at the Detroit Golf Club, I was trying to find a judge who was playing hooky, and she had the worst swing ever, so it was really easy to identify her, even in sort of our grainiest video, because, uh, you know, we, we had the chat. It's, it's the only time in my life I've been able to say, send out the chopper to get some video of the judge. But that's a beautiful place, and I think when people see it, in a way, it could be like the Grand Prix where people see Detroit in a way that they haven't thought of it. And exactly. If you've never driven around with a hidden camera in that neighborhood around the golf course, you have no idea how gorgeous those homes are. I mean, uh, Jerome Bettis Park. lives over there. No, no, not just Palmer Park and Sherwood Forest, but the actual homes on the border of the golf course. Yeah, I mean, you're right. These are like, these are, there's English Tudor homes, and then there's like where the Archbishop of Canterbury lives, and those are the kind of homes you get there. And at one time, they were going for a song. So maybe people see us in a way they haven't seen us before. And I think that that matters, especially to Detroiters. I talked to a couple of couple of folks today who are actually just a few times a week they take a walk around the path of palmer park where an old, a course used to be uh it's about three miles or so and they said i don't know a month ago they started noticing changes the grass starting to get mowed they put in new crosswalks new sidewalks new flagpoles just little cause you know landscaping little cosmetic changes and one woman in particular was a retired deputy for the wayne county sheriff's department told me that um you know, for her, what she likes is she has, she feels like she has to watch the news every night, and the first four or five items are always you know a crime, somebody getting killed, and she gets tired of that. But she says she feels like she has to watch it. She wants to go outside in her neighborhood and understand what's going on. So something like this comes along, and maybe it it bumps some of that off or it bumps it down a little bit, and it's a it's a question of identity to some to some degree, right? And so you're not getting hammered all the time. You're just taking a broad brush and saying this is a terrible place to live. When you see the camera shots of what you're describing with these homes in this course and the, the, the viable neighborhoods, and they're all over the city. And I think that matters. And it, it certainly mattered to the folks I talked to today. Well, I, I would just hate to think that the only time you get a little planting around your neighborhood and the only time somebody does some gussing up is because a bunch of rich pricks in funny clothes are driving real fast or hitting a tiny little ball all over the place. But I do think the, the city is coming up. And you know what? If this is what it takes. It may not be the ideal people, but it's people. Well, Tell hey, it, my big thing is everybody talks about race in Detroit. To me, there's one color that, that matters more than anything green? else, and that's green. Yeah. If we can bring in some money, if we can bring in some tax revenue, if we can get people thinking that uh, there's more that goes on in Detroit than corrupt principals, corrupt politicians, people getting shot at the ATM by their fiancé when they come back from the Gulf War. That's probably a positive yep. thing. Although if you're like me and you're watching this, you're like, oh, I didn't know there are many sort of douchey people in Detroit. I'm not going to go there. Then you probably have only watched the golf thing. I just, I'm just not that into golf. <laughs> I'm not into golf either. And, and, you know, the PGA can talk about charity work and all that. And I know that some, plenty of that's legitimate. They do have a, a not a test case, but in Atlanta they, they have the Tour cha- Championship at the East Lake Golf Club. And that was in a neighborhood that was a struggling neighborhood, and I think it's been there four years now. And they've actually – that tournament has actually helped revitalize um, the neighborhood a little bit. You know, that's never a well, bad thing. If I see Dustin Johnson getting some wings in Chaldean Town, just a long driver away from the golf wings. course, that's good. Yeah, people eat wings in Detroit. Not a bad golfer. And what are you drinking? I'm drinking uh, – Bob, what is this we're drinking? That's really good. 
<clears throat> this is the barrel-aged Imperial Stout from Founders. And obviously, someone with dictatorial leanings like myself would appreciate an Imperial Stout, Sean. I like that. And But it's would Dustin Johnson drink that? And tell the, tell the listeners, your pals, who Dustin Johnson is. Uh, Wayne Gretzky's son-in-law, yeah. right? <laughs> is Paulina going to be in town? I don't know. Is, is she wearing clothes? Uh, well, does she ever? At least not on her Instagram. She's wearing more than Kozar's kid. But uh, <laughs> your guy's gonna be over there at that little celebrity t- tournament. What tomorrow is it? Or yeah, the pro has got pro has a lot of Tom Izzo's people. over there. So. Oh, Izzo's over there. Okay, it's yeah. cool now. Kid Rock is playing in it. I mean, it's bringing yeah. names back. Alice Cooper's a big golfer. He's a Detroit guy. I wonder why they couldn't get Alice he's Cooper. In it, but yeah, you know who's a tremendous golfer? Uh, I know, I know David Hall is a tremendous golfer. The right side from the, the left, left side. side. Yeah. Scratch. Collegiate golfer. golfer. Very good. Very so it was good Henry guy. who works with him. He was a collegiate Henry's golfer. Henry's a good guy. Uh, Dan Morrison, not such a great golfer, or so he tells me, but very good with the mortgages. In fact, I just left Dan on a, doing a refi with Hall Financial, who is a Red Shovel Network sponsor. And I can't emphasize enough how important they are to our survival here as a podcast because they're sponsors. They pay for everything. They've taken a chance in this new form of media. Well, now they're very special to me personally because – they gave me a low rate. I said, can you go lower because I'm that kind of guy? And you know what? They could. And they did. So if you re- want to refinance your home, Hall Financial would love to save you money. You can email David at Hall Finan- dhall at hallfg.com or call Hall Financial at 248-308-5000. Maybe it's your first home or your dream home. Maybe you want to take money out of your home. Give David Hall a chance and get lower rates. Ask for my man, Dan Morrison, Shannon the man, Shannon the man, that doesn't work either. Shannon, you're a wonderful person, um, not in any way like Dan, who's not bad either. Where are we going with this? <laughs> Just call these guys, okay? They're going to save you a lot of money. They're really good at this, and they move really fast. In fact, so fast, I was like, come on, guys, I'm having trouble keeping up. Email dhall at hallfg.com or call 248-308-5000 and thank them for giving the soul of Detroit a chance to stick around a while. NMLS 1467435. And that's not the rate. They'll get you somewhere around four or five, something like that. They'll do pretty well. We also have to thank Dr. Yaldo, who is one of our Red Shovel Network sponsors. You know, uh, I see clearly because of LASIK, I see better than clearly 2015, as a matter of fact. And corrective eye surgery, that's something that you might want to think about if you're getting sick of your glasses and contacts and all other stuff. Some people consider it the greatest lifestyle improvement and breakthrough of this century. It's one of the safest surgeries in all of medicine, and it's changed the lives of millions of people by allowing them to get to 20-20 vision or better without the hassle and poor performance of glasses and contacts. Dr. Y is the most experienced and honored, honored eye surgeon in Michigan, 30,000-plus people. Wow, these beers. You know, it's, it's hard <laughs> you when you fix your beer goggles, I'm reading, I'm reading the words twice. They're double. I'm just going to read the words in the middle. 30,000-plus people have gotten his state-of-the-art custom LASIK procedure, and most have actually gotten better than 2020 vision called supernormal vision. So it's not just normal. It's supernormal. So that's good. Imagine that, seeing better without glasses and contacts than you ever did with them. It only takes a few minutes. It's painless, and you'll get to throw out all those glasses and contacts. So no more reading glasses? Sounds pretty good to me. Precision far vision, what more do I have to tell you? You've got nothing to lose by seeing Dr. Yaldo for a free evaluation. You should get an eye exam every two years anyways. It's covered by insurance. They'll even cover your frames and some of your lenses. The man can take care of you. You just got to call 1-800-398-EYES, 1-800-398-EYES, or go to yaldoeyecenter.com. 
please tell him ML sent you because if you don't tell him that I sent you, he may send me packing. Dr. Y, please fix those eyes and keep us on. You need to loosen up. Have a beer. You know, you can sponsor the show yourself if you're out there. We've had a couple people have sent us some money, which we are using to try and get some merch on the, uh, on the market. We appreciate anybody who can help us do what we do. You can help us even without spending any money by rating, reviewing, and subscribing on your favorite podcast platform. And you can always reach out to us with a suggestion. Save us from ourselves, if you will. Drop us a message at mlsoulofdetroit at gmail.com or call us at 313-288-9070. That's 313-Butterfield-89070. And before we drink all Bob's beer, we, we better ask him, what have you seen in your time here in our fair city? You're not from Detroit, but you stuck around, so that either means you're wearing a tether or you liked it. Or both. That's not mutually exclusive. Let's no, see your I ankle. I absolutely loved it here. And my ankle is uh, it's tether-free. Okay. Yeah, I've been here for a little over five years and loved most of it. So what did you find about beer? I mean, I grew up here, uh, went to high school, actually, with Franny Stroh who's a very cool person. Got a great book. Yeah, very good book. She's, she's, she's a very funky person, and you'll find out just how funky in the, in the book. But, you know, Stroh's is what we all drank. I mean, it was cheap. They came up with a 30-pack. Alex from Stroh's, the Swedish bikini team. I mean, that was beer. And now it's not so simple. Did you get a chance to try their new one the other night at Brew Detroit? Um, I've had the, the, you know, hipster Stroh's, the one that, you know, if you don't have a beard, they won't sell you. Um, and I'm sure that's fine on its own merits, but uh, I still prefer the uh, the Detroit River water in a can. Yeah, except that that's made, uh, I believe, in Toledo now. Oh. Well, the Detroit River goes right into Toledo. They that's just fair. changed the name to the Toledo River, or maybe they don't. To that point, do you ever feel like there's too many beers, too many microbrews? Well, I think I think that uh, now the now now we're getting to the point where there are too many, and it's starting to hurt breweries, and we're starting to see we're starting to see breweries close. Do in we Michigan? Do we just feel like there's more here because there are a lot more in Michigan? Uh, you know, Michigan I think ranks somewhere around fifth for uh, breweries per capita in America. So, uh, you know, it's certainly near the top, but it's it's a nationwide trend right now. Even in Oklahoma, there's a number oh. of breweries opening. <laughs> well, when you say breweries are closing, I mean, we saw the Stroh Brewery get torn down. We saw Pfeiffer is now a bus repair facility on Mack Avenue on the east side. Yeah. Joe Bell, they're not making anymore. Um, but what breweries are closing? I mean, is there some some massive plant out there that's making, uh, what were they drinking in uh, in uh, Strange Brew? What was that? Oh, my God. Idle something. Um, <laughs> Elsinore. Yeah. yeah. Is the Elsinore, Elsinore Brewery closing down? Well, I think it's a little different now. I think a lot of those in the Eastern Market area, when they were closing, it was a lot of consolidations. Uh, those beers in general didn't taste very different from one another. What's going on now is you have a lot of these just much smaller scale startups that, uh, you know, got into distribution at a time when every year they were gaining double digits in growth. And now there are so many other breweries that people can only drink so much beer. It, it seems like they have, to, out, stuff. They have to outdo each other now, too. So, like, what's yeah. the dumbest? Not, I don't say the dumbest. What's one of the most unusual things you've seen someone put in beer? How about this one? Oh, gross. <laughs> What is what? that, banana fall? But didn't some this Foster... Is the, this is Foster the Foster's? Banana from oh, outside. Wow. Recently released. Uh, 
It's a uh, barrel-aged imperial ale brewed with lactose, aged in bourbon barrels with bananas, brown sugar, vanilla, and cinnamon. Okay, like so stop it. it. I mean, I'll drink it, but it seems like they're just, overdoing it. Just Ooh. make beer. Don't put every piece of shit you got in the fridge into a bottle. Make, <laughs> make me a beer. There was a brewery up north, and they put a whole pig. Uh, oh, that's a great one. Mangalista Pig Porter from Right Brain. <laughs> Look how it they just put a head of a pig just, in the beer. Yeah, don't. You're not going to open that one here, are you? But no, but it smells like bacon. It. It's delicious. Yeah, everyone loves oh. that beer. But do you think it's one of those things where they have to outdo each other to stand out or at least to make a footprint? You know, I think part of the fun with what American beer has become, and it's, it's actually catching on across the planet, you know, um, is the, the creativity and the innovation. They don't have that in Europe so much, or they haven't traditionally. In Germany, they still limit very strictly the number, of in, the type, number and type of ingredients that you can put in a beer. Whereas in America... You can throw anything you want in there. Sean, you're a bit of an epicure, a man who's pretty <laughs> handy around the kitchen. What would you put in a beer, other than your tongue? Uh, I'd put beer, but look, it's, the, it's not a surprise, right? We did the same thing with coffee. Yeah. I, I don't drink coffee. I drink beer. But no, but uh, seriously, co- co- coffee houses started popping up all over the place. And then folks started putting in peppermint. Uh, everything. And, and caramel and... <laughs> Whatever unicorns. else you can think of, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Would you say unicorns? Yeah, unicorn. Remember, Starbucks had that big oh, unicorn yeah. drink that everyone was yeah. nuts so for. So it's it's just, it's just what we do. We we we. It, what's interesting to me is that the creative, as Robert talks about, the process is really creative in the beginning. We get all this great mom and pop stuff, or maybe even mid sized stuff, with something this in this case beer, and then we start to slowly infantilize it. We just can't help ourselves. Are you are you speaking of the My Little Pony we, beer? We go backwards, and all of a sudden we we're making Sparkle, beer and coffee and whatever IPA. else for four year olds. That's well, what we're doing, and then it'll become retro, and that's why exactly. Strolls. Which is why people went back to Paps. Yeah, to a point. Which is no longer Paps now. I think it's owned by some you know Interbev or some. Actually, Paps owns Stroh's now. Right. Well, at one time, they, didn't some uh, some old eccentric millionaire buy all those formulas and start contract brewing in different regions where he owned the formula for Olympia. So if you wanted Olympia, he'd make 10,000 cases. Or if you were in Detroit, he'd, he'd make 50,000 cases of Stroh's. Or if you were in, uh, you know, in Ohio, maybe he'd bang out a, a couple of truckloads of Schaefer. And he, you know, he kind of kept these brands alive as long as regional appetites demanded them. But now you know, we've gotten to a point where there are so many of these uh, these fancy micro brews with the crazy formulas, it sounds like they're putting each other out of business. It's a little bit of that, and it's a little bit of the the big, you know, ABN Bev, Anheuser-Busch. Uh, they have bought up some of these brands and just catapulted their distribution across the country. So the micro brews are made by macro brewers? There are a number that you might not know the difference unless you looked it up, yeah. Well, one of the big ones, remember when Shock Top just exploded uh, on the market? Everyone's like, what is this Shock Top? It sounds like Blue Moon, for that matter. Yeah, Blue, Blue Moon, Moon, too. Yeah, just exploded Ugh. out of nowhere, but it feels like a microbrew until you realize the background history of it. Same thing happened in food. Go into a co-op or a little alternative grocery store, if that's even such a thing, and you'll see Stonyfield Farms or whatever, whatever yeah. yogurt, any kind of number of brands that are secretly owned by General Electric. Look at Garden Fresh. Right, right. Yeah. Although they're failing. They want to sell them now. Yeah. And I know the guy who started them wants to buy them back. But what you would be looking for, if we want to have a very Detroit beer experience, what's your prescription, doctor? I think we had one the other night. Okay. Uh, I think you, uh, you, you can't go wrong going into Corktown. 
Um, that way you're going to get, there's still a couple bars. I don't know if you can still call them dive bars, but they're, they're a little grungier, you know, where you can just get the, 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 the easy drinking, the yard beers. And then uh, you can also stroll over to Brew Detroit or Batch Brewing Company. Great breweries right there uh, within walking distance. and Very unpretentious, uh, which yeah. is good. Uh, batch may be a little more pretentious, but Brew Detroit is pretty much like the old, the old tasting room where you go in there. The floor is painted gray. There's a couple of pinball machines, and there's somebody who may or may not give a shit that you want a beer. Yeah, I like the idea that I don't have to, um, I don't have to, you know, bring my diploma, you know, to to a place sometimes, and I don't have to wear the right clothes to drink a beer. Because to me, drinking a beer is something you should feel comfortable doing in your boxer shorts. Now. Maybe if there's children present, you don't want to do that. But, I mean, beer used to be kind of the common man's drink. This was something that everybody's dad or grandpa had or crazy aunt had a Norge in the basement that was full of beer. And you might sneak one or whatever, and they'd be working on something, and they'd drink a beer. My my grandpa has an old Stroh's bottle. He used to put oil in there, and he'd drain the, the lawnmower, you know. Now... <laughs> you know, we we got to save the bottle. That's a limited edition yeah. one. It was brewed two hours ago. If you don't drink it within six minutes, it explodes. And they then... all have their place, though. You know, those aren't necessarily bad. Well, you know, one interesting thing about about being kind of a working man's drink is that a lot of these brewers that I've gotten to go out and meet in the past several years of doing this are just regular sort of people who started doing this stuff in their garage. Larry Bell is a great example of that, you know, and it caught on and caught on and more people kept buying it and drinking it now being uh i, I guess is it beer critic what, what do you call yourself uh beer columnist so i'm sure a lot of people hear that and say that's the, that's a dream job i would love to do that what uh maybe besides your liver what is what is the biggest downfall like what is, there's got to be you're leaving this job so what is the one thing that you just loathed about doing it I have gotten so unhealthy doing this. <laughs> I've probably put on like 30 pounds. I was doing P90X when I what? when I started drinking beer. I was fit. You don't I look like trying. a P90Xer. Nuh-uh. No Not these days. I'm going to get back to that, though. Isn't that a, isn't that a, uh, isn't that a, a Hefeweizen from Howell, P90X? <laughs> God, it could be. Okay. <laughs> really? So, you, that, so just the health aspect of it? Uh, so, yeah, the health thing really it's kind of gotten to me. I mean... It's it's so loaded with calories, and to be able to speak with authority on this stuff, these kind of crazy flavors are coming out nonstop, you know. And I, but don't you just have a sip, it. swish it out, drink some water, and then try oh, the next one? That's for wine tasters. Okay, beer yeah. drinkers swallow the beer for housewives and Goodness. little girls. Elric, hey, well, I, I didn't say I did it. I'm not some <laughs> fancy beer columnist. The important part of doing the beer columnist stuff is that you avoid getting too into the weeds with the beer snobs Thank and trying you. to please yeah. them. I think, uh, and I've told my successor, Brian Manzula, who I'd like to give a shout out. Uh, I think he's going to do great. But I, you know, I told him your audience he was drinking beer is pretty well on Friday. Dr- yeah. Beer drinking people, yeah, he can keep up with me. Okay. And he looks like he still does P90X. We should check back with him in a couple in of years. five years, Watch yeah. Him. Um, <laughs> his jawline's going to disappear. <laughs> Reading your outgoing column, I love that you, you kind of took a shot at bombers. Oh, yeah. I, just, I, didn't, I don't understand those either. If you want to explain why you don't like them, why you're not a fan. Yeah, so a bomber is a, uh, a big bottle of beer, like a 22-ounce bottle. So, like, you know, about... about uh, Looks like a Howard. It's not a forty, but it's it's still yeah. like too big to to drink all at once. If it's a 
you know, 12% alcohol beer. Yeah. And there's this big trend in the brewing industry where the big special releases that are these really strong, high alcohol, barrel aged, uber caloric, flavorful beers are served in those. And, you know, you think, okay, maybe it'd be fun to bring one of those to a party, right? Here's a beer that you can share with people because you're not going to drink it yourself. But inevitably, every time I've done that, nobody wants to drink something that heavy. They want to drink the easy, light drinking stuff. Yeah, I, so I, 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 it's just a weird thing. I'm not sharing a beer with somebody. I mean, <laughs> you just did. Well, you bring cups. You just shared uh, two. What are you talking yeah. about? Well, it wasn't my choice. I'm trying to be a good what a snob. host and a good kid. No, I'm saying when I drink a beer, open so a beer, greedy. I want to drink the whole damn thing, but I didn't yeah. want to. You're a little greedy, man. Plus, I was afraid we might have that pig's head beer, and if that's the case, I'm going to spread that around. <laughs> that one's served in a bomber, by the way. Oh, no. There you go. All right. It's it, it, going to be a very common man question. Favorite one of all time? Favorite beer? Yeah. You got to pick one. Yeah, I, I, always go, pick one. I always go back to the same pick one. one. Kill one, marry one. All right. <laughs> I can give that a try. Uh, you know, Bell's Too Hearted. It's so, it's like, it seems cliched, obviously, but that There's is a reason why. a damn good beer. Yeah. Well, why? Why is it cliche? I mean, I remember when... Uh, when people started getting down on REM because they were getting played on the radio, it didn't make REM any less of a great band. I mean, maybe the reason everybody likes Bell's Too Hard is because it's a really damn good beer. Yeah. I mean, it's just consistent. It's great. Uh, 100% Centennial Hops. And the, the depth of flavor that they get out of that beer is absolutely phenomenal. So you have, you're on the countdown. Uh, by the yeah. time this posts, you'll probably be driving... Uh, Maybe you're taking a barge down the uh, Detroit River into Toledo um, or wherever that goes. You're wrapping up your time in Detroit. What would you say you have to do one or two more times as a beer man before you leave? Well, I've got plans to go back to Axel Brewing, as a matter of fact, uh, the one that's going out of Rest business. In peace. Yeah, over in Ferndale. Um, I, think, I think they've done a lot of good for the community. You know, they've, they've actually given a lot. I think that's important for a craft brewery to do. You know, they've really supported a lot of DCFC. You know, they, they have their, their beers uh, for sale yeah. at all the games. City they get the banners up in there. Yeah, it's good stuff. City Pale. Yep. And, uh, you know, it's really sad to see that happening. This that's is the one that I drink. Business. Yeah. It's a, it's a local business that only opened a couple of years ago. It was one of our top ten restaurants of the year last year. Uh, okay, so they've utterly failed, so that's a good one. Yeah. Um, what, what, <laughs> I'm going to hit that before it's... Okay, yeah, yeah, but what can the rest of us do? What, <laughs> where would you go that might still be open after you leave town? How about that? All right, what's, what's one really cool spot that I, I, would, I would like to get back to? Um, or just something you're really going to miss where you're like, you know what, I don't have time to go there, but if I had one more hour, I would go blank, I'd order blank, and then I'd, I'd probably pee. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I'd go. I'd go up to Traverse City. They have a great brew scene up there. I mean, it's a small touristy What's town. Up? You just have an hour, so it's an hour. Well, yeah, the Detroit did. River going up to Traverse City is a long <laughs> paddle. All right, I did so a. So what's uh, up there? What's up in Traverse City? That yeah, so so they've got they've got a place called Rare Bird that I recommend. Uh, it's a it's a brewery that makes its own beer, and it also gets a really good mix of beers in from from across the state. And there was a. A, a tour that I did last year, or maybe it was the year before, that you can do where you you take a kayak down that river they have up there. And there's the Detroit a Detroit River. No, this it is goes some into tiny Toledo. One. Okay, all right, different one. Yeah, opposite end of the mitten. Okay, that's <laughs> right, that's right. Um, so they they have a kayak trip where you can hit all these breweries. Right Brain is along that, and uh, Monkey Fist is yep. another good one up there. And 
they're just they're they're really good, well made brews, and it's usually not too tough to to get up to the bar. It's not too crowded up there, so I like that place a lot. You know, there's a bunch of local places I've really enjoyed. I uh, <laughs> I, I really like what they do at Griffin Claw. When you order a big flight, you can get they have a skateboard that they've drilled okay. holes in, and it's filled with glasses of beer. And I'd love to go have another one of those before I head out too. Okay. And what, what quintessential beer experience should somebody who's only going to be in Detroit for a little while have? What should they not miss while they're here? When they're in uh, Detroit proper? Yeah. Coming up the Toledo River. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Into Petoskey. You know, if only Detroit had developed that riverfront area better. Yeah. That is That's such a prime area. We're I'm getting hoping, there. We're getting yeah, there. I'm really hoping for, for the future along that. Uh, I, I would say, you know, you, you really can't go wrong with Hobcat. They, really? Now, they don't produce a beer. People love Hopcat, but they're mm-hmm. the one brew pub that doesn't brew beer. So they're, they're a... Uh, Curator? They the Detroit one has, yeah, hundred I believe it's like 120 taps. Okay. And it's a Michigan-grown company that's a... Yeah, it's a tap house, basically. And they have, like, Batch, for example, has done special beers for them. Okay. But if you want to go to a place and you want to be able to try everything... From Michigan, a lot of the really fresh, best stuff in one stop. You can't, you can't do better than Hopcat. Very well, until recently, I would have said the Anchor Bar, but it's not quite uh, the same as it used to be. Well, my favorite place in Detroit to get a beer is a tap room, which is on the east side. And they've had like 100, 200 beers when there weren't really 100 or 200 beers brewed in the whole world. And places like that are still around, and hopefully they're still... Now they they probably only have about a dozen that you can you can pull from. And I used to love the Berkeley Front. I don't know if you ever went there, but yeah. they they'd have hand drawn beers, which yeah. are I you, love you those. Don't when find you can get those a good anywhere. one, no, they're very very hard to find. What are we doing wrong in Detroit? You're you're leaving now. Nobody knows where you are. It's uh, Colorado Springs, Colorado. We take a left on Main Street. There's a house that said Bob's House. You can kick his ass if you need to. But what, as a man who's about to, to fade into anonymity, what are people doing here? And we'll get you that address and his social security number and our story notes. As um, long as you send them to Colorado Springs, I'm happy. It's fine. Oh, you're not going yeah. to Colorado no, Springs? I'm not going there. What, no. what, what was that address you were going to again? <laughs> it's somewhere around there. Okay, close enough. We'll get you there. But uh, what are people doing wrong here? What, what do they need to try and get their head screwed on right before? Uh, Driving. I was thinking about beer, but yeah, driving and beer is bad, so that's a good one. This episode oh, brought the, to you by my, Mad the Sad. The experiences of my life have been on the streets. Oh, man, the Lodge Freeway. It's the, it's the Detroit Autobahn. It's crazy. It, it is, it's very interesting. That's why they make beer, so you can get home and sort of recover a little bit. I'll tell you something. In my research that I've done on uh, you know, the history of brewing in Detroit, there's a lot of good books out there. Actually, you can, you can get kind of into the whole history with, with Stroh's oh, and yeah. We've everything been else. Libraries. You, know, you go back to pre, <laughs> yeah, pre-prohibition, you know? mm. and you have Detroit's a you know, very multicultured area with all these pockets of really fascinating people. And the, the culture back before uh, prohibition around brewing – was to have these neighborhood breweries that were very small, and they served the locals. And if you came to visit, you could try whatever beers they had available, and they'd okay. be different from the ones you get down the street. And I think the the getting back to that, making it, I think that's going to be really the future of craft beer, whether in Detroit or, or anywhere else, is that ultimately the, the distribution model is only going to work for, you can only have so many bells and founders, you know. Oh, and, running out of pigs. Yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah, I think the future is really going to be in these neighborhood type bars, which I was hoping Axel would kind of be, but I think 
they might have, you know, there's a number of factors went into their, their failure. Um, but a, a lot of the, uh, what do we got? We got Brooks is about to open actually this week over on Woodward in Ferndale. And when you have these just kind of folksy go in, meet the brewer, have a beer with them, those kind of places, I think uh, they can be really, you know, an important part of a community. At least that's what they were before Prohibition. Well, it sounds good to me. Bob Allen, spirit columnist, spirit of Detroit at the Detroit Free Press. You can catch his farewell column at freep.com. We will post his home address uh, after he leaves, and you can go settle up with him if you have a beef with him. And, uh, Bob, stick around. We want to get you in on, on some of our other topics today. We, uh, we appreciate you coming in on your way out of town. Well, thanks for having me. I won't change my mind on anything, regardless of the facts that are set out before me. I'm dug in, and I'll never change. Very Great show. Very done. Great show. Very done, Infinity. Great show, Infinity. Plus one. Go. One of the great debates that is had in bars and backyards and brew houses and places with guys uh, wearing mullets and playing acoustic guitars is what kind of beer you like. And I like yard beers. I, I like a beer with hops. I don't need it to be so hoppy that there's not enough room in the bottle for water. Uh, but I'll tell you what, on a cold day... A Stroh's out of that garage fridge or someplace else, there's not much better than that. And and I don't think that's even indisputable. So I don't even know why we're bothering having this great do you ever Do you ever drink craft? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I like, I like, uh, I like all-day IPA. I like all kinds you of You don't have beers. those in your fridge? I do, but to me, that's almost like... Um, what are you talking about? <laughs> but, I mean, it's like, it's, that's, it, it's like a special occasion, you know? I mean, you can have... Uh, you can have sheet cake from Costco, and that's fine for me. But then other people want to have uh, pink taffeta on their cake, and they want to have cherries jubilee in it, and they want to have or they just want a homemade that is an cake. <laughs> exactly. So. I mean, come on. Uh, on a cold day, by the way, that's when you want your strohs, not a hot day. I said on a hot day, didn't I? You said cold. Oh, it must be the. Uh, it must didn't be he say the, cold, Mark? Yeah. Must, so you're a craft beer guy. Is that is that what's happening here? I, I like craft beer, but I, I do you like a, a fancy boy. No, I like a. I'll drink a Budweiser with my boys. You know, when they were ten, probably we started doing that. But. Yeah, it's that's right. It's, <laughs> I think yard beers do get. Uh, I don't know. Do they get lost in all this uh, craft brewery? Uh, well, there was a hipster no, movement still the best for them. Yeah. What's that? You still can't beat the sales of like Bud Light. You know, that's still a king of beer. Uh, now that's not a yard beer. What are you talking about? That's of course, a that's a yard beer. beer. Oh, please, it's terrible. Because it tastes like bananas. You ever have a Bud, Bud Light? You can I taste I love Bud Light. Bananas. You don't know what bananas taste like. Now I'm, now I'm offended because that's my go-to. Really? Bud Light, love it, yeah. You can't go wrong with Miller High Life in a can. Oh, gross. That's not bad. <laughs> well, I'll take that over Bud Light anytime. What? Oh, yeah. yeah. I would go with when, that. When we were in uh, high school, getting out of high school, getting into college, we thought Heineken was, and that's basically yard beer, too, at this point. What about Signature? My father, one of my best friend's father was a truck driver. Uh, drove a, a tanker, and he had a fridge in the basement, and that was full of pap. So that's kind of what we drank. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I, wherever you seem to start, it tends to be your go-to because that's we started on Bud Light. We started with with Budweiser and Miller. I don't know. I, it's, maybe it's just a branding thing with me. It's like I don't like Miller Light. I, I legitimately do not like the taste of High Life. I do, I just don't. It's I don't know why they call it the champagne. Of beers, but I don't know. Maybe that maybe it's a psychological thing. I think some of it. Some of it is branding. When I was a beer man at Comerica Park, 
if I was carrying Miller products and some guy was sitting in the stands and he was wearing all the NASCAR gear from Budweiser, it could be a thousand degrees out and he could be dying. He would not buy a Miller from me. That's just stupid, though. And vice versa. People, yes, yeah. yeah, yeah, people. It yeah, is and and like who it came is. up with the stupid Calvin pissing on everything? Enough of that already. <laughs> Come on. What about Coors? My stepfather drank Coors because back then you could get it in Colorado and maybe Texas. We were living oh. in Texas at the time. Remember how uh, that was a here. big deal? Somebody's got Coors. How'd they yeah. get it yeah, here? Exactly. For, and now, now it's in the shelves. You're like, who's excited about this? Although here we always had Labatt and Labatt Blue Light, which is good. And for me too, when I was, I, love a, it. I would I lived like in. It. Oh, okay. I even like the Citra, that new uh, sort of hoppy uh, Labat. That's like hop soda. Yeah, well, I mean, it's better than Bud Light, but uh, wrong. Not that I'm trying to judge you might, you might be for those. Right. The, the two beers I drank when I was young that I still like, one, and they're both for sentimental. Now, are you going to finish those beers, by the way? Uh, maybe. <laughs> sentimental reasons. <laughs> one kind of warm on the fr- on the. <laughs> My father was in the military. We lived in Germany, and he taught me to drink Grolsch at a very this is back in oh, yeah. the 70s at a very young age and he would keep the steins or the mugs actually in the freezer and so that was a great he kept experience. the steins from invading Czechoslovakia yeah right and then and then the other one when I was in college in the early 80s University of Texas it was a local Austin beer you can get anywhere now called Shiner Bach oh yeah and that was the first yeah, beer. beer I had that actually had real flavor and a little bit of depth to it yep. even the German like Grolsch and the, the Dutch beer you know the Heineken they were that's essentially like Budweiser. It, Lowenbrow was our big sort right, of right, right, right. So, but Shiner Bog for a long time he couldn't get it outside of Austin, and it's still a decent beer. Yeah, it's good. So, who's well, going to speak up for these damn craft beers? It's not much of a debate if we all love. Piss- Bob, get in here, man. Talk to us about your flying pig head uh, bacon burger. That's not uh, a craft beer. That's a potato uh, mustard uh, a, honey. Yeah. yeah, you know, it's all about the occasion, right? I mean, if you're having a good time with friends, you probably don't want one of these beers that's going to knock you off your feet in a couple of hours. You want to be able to go all day. So, you know, all-day IPA is really hit the right spot in the market where it's a tasty beer that's also as easy drinking as a you know, a Bud Light or, or Miller Light when it comes to this alcohol percentage. Now, is it is it fair? Because <clears throat> I would almost consider all-day IPA a yard beer because I would drink that in my yard, but it's made by some very nice guys who are pretty fancy now. So does that make it a craft beer? Is that a snobby beer now? Well, yeah. All craft IPAs beer are craft gotten, beers in my book. That's probably true. It, it's funny. The Brewers Association, the trade group for all these brewers, uh, they have come up with some very specific. There's four criteria to if you want to be a craft brewer. And the one that's, uh, that's caused the most controversy is ownership. And technically, because Founders is 30% owned by a Spanish brewing company now, it's no longer in their club. Really? I still call it craft beer, but officially it's not a craft beer. So what is it? Is it, is it a mass market beer now? It's a beer. Okay. That's well, dumb, though. The consumer doesn't look at it like Consumers that. don't care. That's why I've thrown that out the window. Yeah. You can call it craft beer if you want to call it craft beer. Now, if, if you add, so I, and I like beers with flavors, so I don't want to no, completely Just be honest, please. hide my sophistication. Once. You don't like salt and fat. You're not going to sit there and tell me you like anything other than yingling. Dude, I'm the one who invited you. I must love salt and fat. Come on. This is my house. No, it's not. It's Drew's house. He invited us all. Damn. I won't go to Gross Point for any more of your yard beer parties. I wonder, when you say, I really want a craft beer... Is that sort of the uh, uh, barf bag signal? You know, do you say, hey, fellas, let's go get a beer? 
okay, yeah, that's cool. Or somebody says, hey, let's go get some craft beers. You're all of a sudden thinking like, hey. yeah, everyone rolls their eyes. Yeah, it's like, okay, oh, uh, <laughs> are we gonna are we gonna drink some smoke some Turkish cigarettes while we sit outside? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And I, I I hope it doesn't rain because I don't want my black beret. Don't to we get all saturated. have a friend like that? <laughs> I don't know. You don't have one friend like that. I don't have one friend, so I, I may be the wrong judge. Painfully this, obvious. And every week the number gets smaller. <laughs> so craft beer versus yard beer. We didn't really debate it. We just want to drink it. So I guess that's what happens with beer. That's your really quite disappointing, great debate. Let's have another beer. Oh, craft man, beer, the please. Have inherited the earth. Did I do that? What a dork. Him wanting to play with us again mean that he's turning into a geek, or we're turning into cool guys. There's a a breed out there that uh, I thought had disappeared, had been extinct, had been. Yes, please. Um, oh no, give me the Oberon. Okay. Oh no, that's fine. Give me, <laughs> give me the sip. Imperial. Give me he the Imperial. He doesn't like to share. But there was a there was a time when there was no bigger snob than record store guy and. The death of vinyl kind of killed record store guy, and he's sort of coming back. Uh, Bob was mentioning earlier comic book guy when we were getting ready for the show. We do prepare for this. There's no evidence whatsoever of that, but we do prepare. We give this. Imagine how bad it would be if we didn't. Oh my God! Yeah, it, it, I hope we don't. I hope nobody's listening to this sober. But um, but comic book guy could be pretty snobby too. But I think they've been replaced by beer guy, who is now even worse than barista. Oh, yeah. Barista's bad. Yeah, beer snob. Beer snob. Hipster beer snob. Really bad. Is that even worse? Worse? Now, when you go out there, do you feel like you have to put on airs? Or do you just go and it's like, yes, I actually am, you know, R. Aloysius Allen, but you can call me Bob. Or do you go in there and say, uh, I am R. Aloysius Allen. I would like to try your, your flying pig entrails and bacon Windsor Foster's banana on the chin uh, beer, please. No, you know, when I see pretentious people, I just want to poke them with a stick, really. (laughs) That's assault, so I'm not sure that we can encourage that on these airwaves. I mean, it's, it's, uh, honestly, when when you're talking about, like, the, there's definitely some Facebook groups out there of the beer snobs, and they're just obnoxious, and they're going to criticize everything they see, just like anybody, any other trolls, you know? Have they ever come at you hard? It's a very light pour, by the way. You don't know what you're talking about. That beer, blah, 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 blah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Especially when I when I uh, get on the the New England IPAs and criticize their you know their prize. This is the holy grail of beer in the last couple of years. What? What's your mailbag like? All over the place. Yeah, I mean generally positive. Centennial hops. You got me. I'm using sesquicentennial hops. They're fifty percent older. No, that doesn't. Ever <laughs> no, happen. it's never that bad. Okay. No, it's help me with the math on that, Sean. That's I'm right. just That's amazed. You're making fun of beer guy and you hang out at a football stadium you insist saying has a pitch and people are <laughs> running around in pretty little scarves and singing songs and and throwing smoke bombs oh my and, goodness what about soccer guy and using cr- beer guy what? soccer guy oh now you're hitting too close to what him. come on think, okay mr football on the pitch i, I think no, it's, you're it's referring so- to football guy exactly yeah, right football guy no soccer's great I didn't but. expect you to understand no <laughs> Time. 
Last week, Mark Fellhauer, as he often does, challenges the status quo. He sought a new paradigm. He questioned in a very America First way, are there any American new wave bands? Not satisfied with the Welsh new wave bands. Not satsfied. Everyone you brought to the table Scotland was all UK and one Australia. Mark, you just wanted a song that sounded good. I don't and, blame you. <laughs> and there are a lot of great Berlin, great American new wave band. Yeah. Uh, there is um, Missing Persons, who I mentioned, great American new wave band. And we're going to do you one better. We're going to do a Detroit new wave band. So does anybody out there remember Rhythm Core Little sort of sappy song common ground yeah that's can we meet on common ground you consider that new wave no i consider that a little soft Soft, but they do have a soft wave they do have a tune that not only qualifies as a new way new wave uh song it also qualifies room 769 because it's actually worth listening to and you might not have heard it before so this is rhythm core with vanishes
So thanks to Brian for suggesting Rhythm Core. You know, there was a time when you could see bands like Rhythm Core, like Bittersweet Alley, Eminem when he was small, uh, Kid Rock before he discovered Southern Rock. And you could see him at all these great places, the Ritz in Roseville. My brother used to play on Sunday nights at a bowling alley around like 7 in Van Dyke that called itself the Falcon Rock Fortress. And they'd have cool. a battle of the bands and he was in uh, he was in this band called they called themselves the Blizzard of Oz and I knew when they were playing there because our dogs had choke collars on and the guys in the band would take the choke collars off as part of their outfit. <laughs> in fact, two famous one tragic story uh, from the guys in uh, in his band the Blizzard of Oz. Not a tremendously original name, but um, one of the guys was a, a, a real sweet guy named Steve King, very talented trombone player, very talented guitar player, decent singer, and a bodybuilder. And he died execution style above the Carnegie Deli in New York when somebody raided a weed house there, and he was caught in there. And uh, very, very tragic story. Great guy, um, great family. They're still around. The other guy in that band... bringing the room down with that Yeah, story. sorry about the other... This story may be a little more uplifting, although freaky in a different way. The other guy who was in that band who played guitar was a little tiny freshman guy when my brother's a junior. His name was John. can't remember his last name. Very preppy. Like the preppiest kid you'd ever see because we did live in Girls Point at that time. And he played like nobody else. This dude could shred. And he's now better known as John, John Five, Five. Yeah. from Marilyn Manson. Yep. So those were two alumni of... Uh, a blizzard of Oz, but there was a time when you could catch more things like that. And when Robert is talking about these neighborhood beers and these neighborhood breweries, I think about these neighborhood music venues that used to be all over the place. There's still some good places. There's still Kelly's and Hamtramck. There's Smalls and Hamtramck. There are places other than Hamtramck that have good little <laughs> music venues. But um, but when I think about Rhythm Core, which honestly I don't think about that. What much. happened? Thanks, to him? Brian. I think like a lot of these guys, they just didn't make it. And then the dude who painted houses and was in Rhythm Core got somebody pregnant, and then he had to paint more houses, and there wasn't as much time. No, for none Rhythm of them. Core. None of the members went on um, another band. Well, there's uh, John Six didn't play in Rhythm Core. I'll tell yeah. you that. I mean, yeah. uh, these guys. Yeah, you know, and sometimes these dudes become. You know, producers or whatever. My um, my brother, you know, he didn't make it as a musician. He's an incredibly talented bass player, but he builds bass guitars. He's like one of the best bass guitar builders, luthiers in the world. Whoa. And if you want one, I can get you a discount. It's uh, Check him out at elric.com. But yeah, no, the Romantics made it. Rhythm Core didn't. So the Romantics would be another kind of, I guess I wouldn't call them so much a new wave band. I'd call them more of a... Of a rock act. Well, they had the one song that propelled them, right? Uh, well, um, they had they had a few. Um, the, I think the one that still gets played now is uh, "I Know the Secrets You Keep" when you're talking in your sleep. Yeah. And uh, they had a couple others that were pretty big. But there's a funny story about them when they went on tour. They used to wear these um, leather tuxedos, and you know they would be on stage, and it would get hot, and they would sweat in the leather tuxedo and anybody who's ever uh, sat next to a goalie or worn a hockey glove knows leather takes a long time to dry. Yeah. So I think by the end of that tour, they just had to bury those in a special landfill. 
I don't know your brother, but I think this sums him up perfectly. I feel a powerful connection to the history of famous bass players. Like, what's his name from The Who? Or that guy from Led Zeppelin who wasn't Paige Planter Bonham? Those are the only two I know for sure. <laughs> you notice that, that most bass players tend to be named after famous American admirals? Except for Bootsy Collins. <laughs> no, no. There is the USS Bootsy Collins is uh. being launched next year. It's a super cruiser. <laughs> and all the, all, the, uh, all the guns have like crazy star. You know, <laughs> Do you have more examples other than John Paul Jones? Uh, Claypool? That was kind of where Flea? I was going. I mean, oh, do you, you, you remember <laughs> Flea from the Battle FS of Bunker Flea? Hill? Everybody had fleas. <laughs> yeah, that's why they surrendered. Fair enough. I'll, so, give you, uh, I'll give you two. So room 7609, really where are you going to get this kind of highbrow talk, huh? Nowhere. Not on that Mike Valenti show, I'll tell you that. <laughs> so thank you for listening, particularly this week. Usually we say thank you and we yeah, mean it, but if you, you got this, this far, far, thank you so much. We can't. Uh, we really owe you. Not even man. thank you. Congratulations. The for next show it is far. we're really gonna we're really gonna screw you again, but we're gonna try. So uh, we appreciate you listening to our our uh, our show on the Red Shovel Network. Uh, please listen to all the shows. There's Eli, Denny, and Bob on No Filter Sports. There's Charlie LaDuff on the No BS News Hour. We've just taken over the All BS News Hour, but but maybe that's just a a one week thing. And then, of course, there's the flagship with the Drew and Mike podcast where you can catch Mark with a slightly more competent uh, colleagues. Um, follow us on Twitter at Elric on Twitter. Check us out at uh, Facebook. You can find me at ML Elric. Check out Bob's column, his farewell column at, at Freep.com. Do you have a forwarding Twitter? Do you, are, do you have a new? Or do you get to keep your Twitter? Or do you have any way for people to follow you if they? Yeah, yeah. It? I'm keeping my Twitter. It's at R Allen M I. Okay, and Sean, keep keep an eye out for him in the free press at Sean Windsor. And uh, how the hell are we supposed to return this bottle with a pig head in it? <laughs> oh, the, this is the one with the bananas and caramel and cinnamon. It's dessert. Oh, man, very fattening. Anyways, you've been listening to ML Soul of Detroit on the Red Shovel Network. Cyrus, get us the hell out of here. Can you dig that? Can you dig it? Can you dig it? The Halls of Ivy starring MLL has been presented by Schlitz, the beer that made Milwaukee famous. The taste of Schlitz. The taste so many people prefer has made Schlitz beer first in sales in the USA. Why don't you, too, enjoy the most popular beer in history? Next time, every time, ask for Schlitz beer. And now, here again is M.L. Elric. Good night, everyone. And from our sponsor, the Joseph Schlitz Brewing Company of Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and its thousands of friendly dealers throughout the nation. Good night. Good night. Next week at this same time at the Halls of Ivy starring M.L. Elrin.